0: This morning, starting us off the new year, Kurt Lincoln is going to share with us. Can we give Kurt a hand, huh? Alright, you need anything for me? You good to go? Ready to rock and roll? Alright, Kurt Lincoln. Good morning, everybody. Can you hear me well? I'm going to try to stay behind the speakers. It's challenging for me. Um... Hey, I'm excited to be here and um, to be speaking this morning. I'm going to be talking about uh, prayer and fasting, and I just wanted to uh, start off by: Does anybody do New Year's resolutions? Yeah. Anybody? So, so if you look, if you if you like, kind of like Google New Year's resolutions, most people it's dieting, right? And so, you know, I'm going to get more into shape or get eating better or whatever and if you look at the top 10 foods that, that are like if you go to like a, a you know a health website or something like that there, there are some top there are some top foods and I looked up 10 of the top foods and I just wanted to read a couple of them to you because I thought it was pretty interesting um, the first one was was actually water I didn't know that water was a food Is it? I was like, this is a weird one. So anyways, the second one was dark green vegetables. Followed by whole grains, beans and lentils, fish, berries. I like berries. Winter squash. I mean, we eat it, but it's definitely not my first choice. Anyways, on and on. It was really interesting to me though, because uh, when you think about um, having a really nice meal, do do you think of like, or if you're like going out to some nice restaurant, do you look for the dark green veggies on the the menu? (laughs) It's kind of something you eat because it's almost like a chore, right? I mean, I I hate saying it, but isn't that true? It's almost like a discipline. I was going to share, I was going to save this story. This is uh, something that happened at our house on Christmas. And it was really, um, it's pretty cool. But it was my son Jonas, he's, he's with us right here, is that at, at the end of opening presents and everything, um, he, he had this really interesting comment that kind of caught Hannah and I, and I guess the rest of us, as he says, you know what's funny is the thing that, I was, should probably the, be the least excited about. I'm the most excited about about his presence, and we all knew exactly what it was. Is that it was an electric toothbrush, and it and it and it had like a it had one of those like little water pick things, like where you could like adjust the speed and you know. But he was like really excited to like use it, but it it wasn't like the. The thing that was like the really exciting thing, it was the thing that was kind of... But anyways, um, today what I'm going to be talking about with you is probably one of those things. And if you took a menu of spiritual disciplines and looked at them, you'd see like prayer, reading your Bible. These are things that, that most people are very familiar with. But on that menu would be fasting. And it's probably just like kale, okay, it's a superfood. it's really good for you, you should probably like it, and you should probably eat it more often, right, do you agree, but it's that thing that you least gravitate towards, <clears throat> and it's interesting, um, I've been kind of studying fasting for years, and um, as a church, we've been doing a, a fast, uh, all church fast in January, um, Kind of traditionally like what Wayne said, but really it's not just a tradition, it's, it's a spiritual discipline. And it's something that is very useful, but it's interesting is that most Christians uh, don't know much about fasting, why you would even do it, how you do it, on and on. And so <clears throat> we're going to look at the spiritual kale of our spiritual formation diet today. You guys ready to jump into the Word? Um, so we're going to start in Matthew seventeen, fourteen through 22. If you have your Bibles, feel free to go there. I'm going to be reading out of the NIV. Um, and I just wanted to um, pray before we get into the Word is that um, in order for the Word um, to take root in your heart, it's, it's got to fall on good soil. Um, The word has to fall on good soil. So let's just pray and ask God for good soil this morning. God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that it is living and it is active. We thank you, God, that your word is perfect. God, we thank you that your word can um, speak to any situation that we would ever have in life. And that, God, you reveal things to us that um, would not otherwise be revealed to us, except for through reading your word, and so Holy Spirit, we just invite you here this morning, bring our hearts to a place, God, where we can receive what you have for us, uh, we pray in the name of Jesus, amen, all right, so do we have it on the screen? Is it? Oh, thank you, perfect, Okay this was, this is really interesting i is this total side note, but this is right after the Transfiguration. Do you guys know that story it's like it 's actually a really interesting story if you if you have time and I just want to encourage you just in your own personal Bible reading time, read Matthew seventeen through but this is right after a very crazy experience that the disciples had with Jesus on the mountaintop <clears throat> and i don 't know if it is right when they got down off the base of the mountain or what, but it literally flows right into this. I thought it was interesting. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire and into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. 17 this is really interesting could you imagine standing in front of Jesus and begging him to heal your son because something that's pretty serious this is what Jesus says you unbelieving and perverse generation Jesus replied how long shall I stay with you how long shall I put up with you bring the boy here to me Verse 18, Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. I want to pick out a couple things for you. If you want to leave uh, verse 17 up there. Unbelieving. So He says, you unbelieving and perverse generation. Unbelieving. I'm going to give a definition to that. And also to perverse, so when, and then we'll reread this. But it, unbelieving, I want to say, um, in this, in this uh, means not connected to God. Unbelieving, let's let's call that not connected to God. And then perverse, too connected to the world. Okay. The word perverse is kind of weird nowadays because it has it's it's almost got like a. More specific um, definition in our day, but it really it really applies to a lot of things okay it's a it's a It's a term that you could apply to a lot of different things but this in this verse here, he's saying, "You who are not connected to God and too connected to the world, how long shall I be with you? He's kind of like, "Yeah, right." Tired of putting up with this, <laughs> right? I mean, okay. So let's keep that. Um, I want you to keep that uh, with you, and let's. We're going to finish out um, the verse, which I actually think I may have oh, somehow I got rid of it here. That's okay. I'm just going to read it off the screen. So let's go to, um, let's kind of read on. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? right, let's keep going. And he replied, because you have so little faith. And so again, here he's kind of circling back to that uh, not connected to God, right, piece. And I'm gonna talk about this in a minute, but because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have the faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Next verse. Oh, I'm going to have to do this. This is awesome. Where's my Bible? Okay, could you give me my Bible? Is it up there? 21? Yeah. Well, I need that. I need uh Yeah. This is... I actually grabbed this because I was like, "Ah, oh, I'm just gonna bring it just in case. So twenty-one it says and twenty nothing will be impossible for you. So this is this is one of those notes in your Bible. Um, it's In mine, it's note number D. And it says, um, some manuscripts say, so this is like in some manuscripts and not in some manuscripts. But in verse 21, it says, but this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Kind of an interesting conclusion. So we look at, when we look at the verses, we look at... Um, the start of it is, is you unbelieving in perverse generation, right? It's a, he's pointing out an issue or a problem, right? They're saying, hey, we have this. We have, there's a, a, a Jesus, please heal my son. Your disciples can't, they, they can't do it. He says, bring him to here. All you, you unbelieving in perverse generation, those, you, you're uh, not connected to me enough. And you're too connected to the world. And then at the end of this, he kind of sums it up with a: uh, "There was a problem, and then the solution, and it was prayer and fasting, is the solution for unbelieving and to connect, uh, not connected to God enough, and too connected to the world." So, um, so prayer. What does prayer do for us? Is it connects us to God, right? So if you're not connected to God enough, prayer is something that connects you to God, okay? Can I just like give a little testimony here is that in my life, the times where I, when I am most connected to God, my faith level is the highest, Right? And when I am not spending time with God or I'm influenced by other things or other people or um, situations in life, doubts, fears, you name it, in life, just walking through life, it's, there's all kinds of different things that kind of pull your attention away from the Lord. When I'm praying and reading my Bible and I have a lot of spiritual intake, my faith level is higher. So. Prayer is going to be the part that we're going to kind of focus on with um, our connection to God in this issue of being unbelieving. Okay, in this verse, and then the second thing is is um, being too connected to the world. The solution for that, he was just mentioning in verse twenty-one, is fasting. So fasting disconnects us from the world, right? So if you're too connected to the world or or different things and situations in life that are kind of pulling you um, basically away from being connected to God and into being more connected or concerned about the things of this world, does that make sense? All right. So I've got Matthew 17. Here's, Here's just some verses that kind of support fasting. In the Bible, and just like speak to it that it 's not just I guess uh, i don 't know maybe like ten years ago or something like that, I had never really fasted in my life and as a Christian I'd been a Christian at that point for twelve years or something like that, and I had never even really considered fasting i I really did think that that was something that you did if you were like a monk in a monastery or you know some ultra spiritual person that you would do this fasting thing. I also had a false idea that it was punishment, you know, like you were supposed to like suffer or something, and that it was some type of some form of suffering that you had to do, but little did I know that uh fasting's talked about all throughout the entire Bible, Old Old Testament, New Testament. And I'm going to talk uh I'm going to read Matthew um 9 14 through 15. This is an interesting verse on fasting. This is Jesus speaking. uh, Or not quite yet, but he's asked a question. Then John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, then they'll fast so Jesus was saying in this is that there's when, when I go and I ascend right into heaven, my my followers are going to fast. That's going to be something. It's not a dismissed practice. Just because they weren't doing it as much as the other guys right then, he wasn't saying, hey, uh, you're not supposed to do this. You don't need to do this. And then let's fast forward in the book of Acts into the early church and this, how this is played out later on. Acts 13, 2 through 4. Um, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, "Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I have called them." I'm going to pause right there for a second. Um, so this is this is Paul of the Bible. So they it's he's referred to as Saul in this in this verse, but this is Paul, like the great evangelist, the great. Apostle, the great um, missionary, right he he went through, and this is right before so this is really interesting, right before he was sent out to go do all this amazing groundbreaking work for the kingdom. a vision was given while they were worshiping and fasting, so while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called for them to do. Is that not amazing? Is, that, is, is this not spiritual superfood? Fasting and prayer. And then verse 3. So after they had fasted and prayed. So this was, they did another um, fast and pray. So they were fasting and praying. They heard the vision. And then they fasted and prayed about the vision. Right? So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And so there was lots of... I just wanted to just, uh, bring to light that there was lots of prayer and fasting in the early church. And how it played out is there was amazing um, fruit that happened. Would you not agree? Amazing fruit that happened um, through prayer and fasting. And it's, it's really that... Um, That spiritual discipline that's kind of the the not very exciting one, right? (laughs) You know? But it has, but it can pay out great dividends for us in, in our in our walk with God. And as a community of believers walking with God. Okay. So now I'm just gonna do a little teaching on some other stuff, okay? So that we just got um uh we just read the word. And I'm going to kind of do a little bit of practical application with you right now. Um, some of you may know some of these things that I'm going to, that I'm talking about, but I'm kind of, I'm going to come at it from a viewpoint that maybe you don't. And so, as a as a person, me as a human being, um, and you as human beings, we would we are made up of three parts: um, body, soul, and spirit. Uh, somebody said that you're a triune. I've heard this before, triune, but I don't like using that about myself because I think of God as the triune, you know? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? So I don't like referring to myself as a triune being, but we are made up of three things, body, soul, and spirit. Your body is obviously the thing that, you know, the physical body, right? You've got um, sensories, you've got, you know, you need to eat, right you've got muscles that exercise or get you from wherever you need to go you've you've got a body but you're not just a body and this is one of the conflicts in our um, culture is that um, everybody agrees that there's a, a body right but not everybody believes in the soul and spirit part the same way as the christian worldview does but in the uh, biblical understanding you know the the, the soul is is really kind of the... There's seen and unseen parts of our soul, right? You can see, and actually Wayne does a really good job about talking about this um, part of us is, is the soul. It's like, you can, you can, I think he uses this story a lot about how Michael will look at him and say, what's wrong? And he'll be like, what are you talking about? What's wrong? I'm fine. And she's like, uh-uh, something's wrong. Right? is because our soul kind of manifests its way, manifests in our body, right? Like the unseen things that happen inside of us manifest through our emotions and our face changes with our emotions, right? We're very connected, but they're different, right? If you're sad, your stomach sometimes, right? Or, Or if you're feeling... Depressed or something—you can feel it in your stomach. Isn't that so weird? You can feel it inside of you, but it's kind of this separate thing. But it's very much connected. And also, in the same way, um, our spirit is connected to all the different things in our body, right? And so we're made up of of uh, a very visible thing, right—the body. But we're also made up of two things that are kind of invisible, but show themselves in visible ways. The soul and the spirit. So the body is our connection to ourself. Um, you need to eat, right? There's a lot of different things that happen. Uh, cravings from the body. The soul has cravings too. And so the soul is something that um, is very much social, right? And emotional and I would call that our soul would be something that would be connection to others here. And then our spirit is our connection to God. So um, what we're talking about here is that for with fasting, and this whole idea about fasting is really um, you're going to be decreasing some things to inc- and then increasing other things, right? And so... Of those three things, your body, soul, and spirit, one of those is going to be dominating the rest. That's just gonna be the natural way that it's going to work for you. You are either going to be dominated by your body, you're going to either be which can lead to all kinds of unhealthy things, okay? You name it. You're gonna either be dominated by your soul, which also can lead towards a lot of unhealthy things, or you're gonna be dominated by the spirit, which leads towards the best things, right? That's our connection God. Personal Bible reading note again. If you want to read Romans 8, when you go home tonight or this afternoon or during this week, I want to encourage you to read through Romans 8 and think about this concept body, soul, and spirit. While you read that, Because Paul was hammering this over and over and over again. And he kept saying it in different ways. He's like, "Um, I want to do this one thing, but my flesh, which is my body, right, and my soul, pulls me towards the way that I don't want to go, right? But rather, he was talking about, you know, rather than being a slave to the body, to the flesh, right, he wants to be a slave to the spirit, Okay. And so he talks a lot about this, body, soul, and spirit, and he understands it well. And so I I encourage you just to read Romans 8 on your own, um, body, soul, and spirit. So, how how do we do a successful fast, right? So we talked about what is fasting, talked about these different parts of our body, are of, of what make us up, these three things. <clears throat> and now what I want to suggest here to you um, is kind of some steps towards having a successful fast. Um, I wish I had something I could give you all with this, but this is just going to, you're going to, if you take notes, great. You know, if you want this information, I can email it to you or something, but or get I can get it to Wayne and he can get it to you. So the first thing um, is I would say is that you you'd need to set out to make an you'd need to make an objective. Uh, set an objective, make a plan. Um, Matthew 6 uh, Jesus was saying, "Hey, and when when you fast, like hey, when you fast, so there's kind of a, there's kind of like instructions with fasting. Um, you can, we, we're going to read a little bit of Isaiah 58, um, here in a minute, but the main idea here is, is that you really need to go into it with a plan. Um, it, it's not something that you want to just do on the, on a whim because it involves a lot of, um, lifestyle change. And, um, so you're going to want to go into it, uh, with a plan, just, you know, decide what kind of fast you're going to do, how long you're going to do it for, what the dates are that kind of stuff as a church, we've kind of framed in some dates um, we really want to invite anybody everybody into that. If you've never fasted before, if, you, if this is—if you just showed up at church today and you're—and you walked in here and here this guy is up front talking about something that you're like, "What? Um, this is crazy. It, it is crazy. <laughs> but it's so—but it's so worth it. It is so worth it. And I just really want to encourage everybody to just try this out. Um, I want, to, I want to just read something to you just really quick from this book. Uh, Wayne, Wayne gave me this, and I, I read through this, and it was just so good. Um, and this is just kind of like, almost like some commentary. And this guy, this is Mark, John Mark Comer. Um, he says here, Richard Foster astutely observed quote this is like from a book this is a quote from another book more than any other discipline fasting reveals the things that control us very few practices have the capacity to humble us as does fasting when you begin fasting it's common to feel sad even anxious or just plain hangry with regular practice these feelings mostly go away and are replaced by joy, contentment, and a sense of intimacy with God and spiritual power. But it takes a while to wean your soul off its addiction to the Western gods of pleasure, instant gratification, and sensory appetites. The first thing it normally does is reveal where you are still in bondage. So... It's not easy, right? It's, it's not the exciting item on the menu, right? But it is the superfood. And so this is what I do, and I just want to... Um, there's five things. Um, just kind of preparing your hearts for fasting. And um, is, I do these things. The first thing is uh, declare my dependence on God. Um, that can that can come in the form of just uh, saying it. That can come in the form of you creating a new habit that um, you're like, okay, during the fast, I'm going to declare my dependence on God. I'm going to read the word every day. I'm going to, you name it, but declare... Your dependence on God. And these are kind of like practical steps here. Second thing is ask for forgiveness. The beginning of your fast. There's probably some things that you've been kind of navigating through. There's probably areas in your life where um, you need to ask for forgiveness uh, from God. Um, There's probably areas in your life where you need to ask for forgiveness from others. But I just want to say starting out your fast Ask for forgiveness. It's a great place to kind of get grounded. Third thing is focus on the eternal. Um, so much of life, uh, the, the worries and the things that consume us are, are f- f- earth-focused, right? Um, and so if you can kind of like, at the beginning of your fast and while you're fasting, is just refocus on the eternal, Um, this morning I was sitting, uh, with just at the fire with a cup of coffee and I was having kind of a moment with my daughter Haven and, uh, just kids are always changing and they're, um, always going through different seasons, you know, and, uh, the season that Haven's going through right now is, um, like everything's gone so great. You know, she turned five. She learned how to ride a bike this summer. She learned how to swim. She's ski- she's know how to ski by herself. She doesn't have to have somebody holding the hula hoop on her. She can like do that. She's having like lots of success in life, and lots of great things are happening. But that's kind of leading towards her being a little bit, um, like, hey, I can do anything. I can I want. I don't have to listen to you, Dad. <laughs> Don't have to come when you say, I don't want to do this. Because everything's going great, you know, and life's. And and some of us are in that phase in life, some of us aren't. But the thing about being inside of that space is, is that it really focuses you on the things of earth, right? And so I was talking to Haven this morning about heaven and eternity and that how this life is like this big, but then. When you die and go to heaven, you get a new body. Right? It's like Grant, my my dad who died this spring, who his body fell apart, right? It's like Grandpa Lincoln has a new body. He can do everything, right? He's not bound by his old body, and same thing with you when you die. But that eternity is like from here and the sun, we could see the we could see the sun, and I was like and you go all the way to the mountain and then past the mountain all the way to the sun. That's like how far eternity is. It just doesn't end. And this, this is this life, that's a long ways. And what happens is when we focus on eternity, when we f- focus on how short this life is, all of a sudden the worries, the problems we have, the stresses that we have become small. Right? Our perspective changes, and so I want to encourage you that while you're doing this fast, it's to refocus on the eternal things, which also gives us correct perspective in life. Fourth thing: invite the presence of the Lord into your life. Um, this, this is something that is uh, really simple to do, and I love it how I actually was another. Uh, thing that I've like really gotten from Wayne is um, he's, he uh he says that when he goes on his walks he just kind of like walks out the door and he kind of gets to a I don't know a certain spot on the sidewalk or something and you're like okay Lord here I am that's all you got to do <laughs> right is invite the Lord right invite the presence of the Lord into your life intentionally right. Intentionally invite him. This gets into all kinds of theology here. Because you could say, well, hey, Kurt, the Lord is always with me, though. He's always with us. He never, right? Which is so true. Absolutely. I would say he is always with you. But we might not always be tuned into what he's doing. And we might be walking through and past him, right? And so what this is is it's more of when you invite the Lord, and it's not like He's not there. You're just like saying, "Lord, I need you. Right? I want you." And it's an intentional thing. Okay. Fifth thing, this is this is this is going to be the last point, and I've got a little bit of scripture. Um, is believing in God for specific prayer needs. So as you as you're fasting, I just want to say. First thing, declare your dependence on God. Second thing, ask for forgiveness. Third thing, refocus on the eternal. Fourth thing, invite the presence of the Lord into your life. Fifth thing, believe in specific prayer needs. And I'm going to give you, uh, we're going to talk about um, expectancy and expecting results during fasting, okay? Um, We're going to read Isaiah 58. Um, man, and this is another one. Uh, just in your personal re- Bible reading, um, I would encourage you to read Isaiah fifty-eight. It's all about fasting, the whole chapter. It's all about fasting—what the good, what to do and what not to do, kind of a thing. But I'm just gonna um, give you a little piece of it. And he says there's three thens, and I want you to pay attention to these. I'll, I'll highlight them for you. Um, do we have that one? Yeah, you can put it up, please. Thanks. Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will qu- quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry out for you will cry out for help, and He will say. Here am I. The three three thens, the then statements is that your light will break forth like the dawn and healing will quickly appear. And I just want to say that you can expect um, that when you disconnect from the world and connect to God, right? He says, you unbelieving and perverse generation, you... Who are too connected to the world and not connected to me enough. As you connect to God and disconnect from the world, you can expect healings. Broken relationships healed, physical healings happening, emotional brokenness healed. You can expect healings when you do this. Righteousness, interesting word, but what this is is I'm gonna call it right living. You can expect that <clears throat> you will be getting back on track in life again. That you can be living on purpose again. That your, your day will be filled with um, the activities of God. The activities of the kingdom. That you'll be getting back on track. Living right. And then the last one is answers. Y'all have any unanswered prayers? Does anybody in here have, have anything that they've been asking for for so long that you're not sure if God even hears you? Maybe even you've given up on asking because it risks your faith, right? Not being answered, right? I want to encourage you To expect answers. And I'm going to. We can have the worship team come up. And Wayne. Come up to lead us in communion. And I just want to kind of close with this final thought. Is that. um, And this is going to be kind of an encouragement. To you. is that. Is that. Here we are in 2022, right? How, how old's the, the church now? I mean, I don't know, 12 years old or something, 11 years old or something. And I want to bring you into a vision. Um, uh, uh, I'm going to give you a mind picture. And this happened a couple years ago. Wade and I were driving in a car together. This is when Wayne was brand new into Palisade. And, brand new. Brand new brand new into Palisade and we were hanging out he was living at our, our house, I can't remember where he was at in that exact moment and we were looking at the peach trees and talking about um, peaches and, he's, and, I, and I was like, oh yeah this, these ones over here, these are young these are just brand new planted, those won't have fruit, but I'm talking like I actually know, I don't, I don't have an orchard but I've just done it, been inside of the orchards for so long, you know I'm like, yeah, those ones, they don't bear fruit for a while. You have to let it, you know, it's like three years or something like that. And then they, you can start getting a crop out of them. And then these ones over here, these are the old trees. That, and they, they stop producing fruit um, at a certain point. They actually pulling them out of the ground. Yep, they, they rip them out. And the idea is then the next year they replant. And there's a cycle, right? Uh, like, a, you know, fruitfulness kind of in the, in the orchard business. And he's like, Hey, yo, Kurt. Do you... M- maybe not, yo, Kurt. <laughs> it was a casual comment. And he said, What do you think, like... Where do you think the church is at? Like, if it was in the life cycle of an orchard. And talking about fruitfulness and things. And I was like, You know what, not? I, I feel like the church is three years old. Like... Just coming in to bearing some great fruit. And what I want to say to you right now is that, and I'm going to, I love this church. Oh, I love this church and I love this community. And I know that God has plans that are going to blow your mind and that are going to blow our minds. But what He's calling us to is higher ground, though. Every one of us. He's calling us to be in that place where He can be using us in wonderful ways that you couldn't imagine. He wants, he wants you to be healed. He, he wants you to be living right with Him. And He wants to give you answers that you are longing for. He wants good things for you. Jeremiah 29, right? For, for the, These are the plans that I know that I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans to prosper you, right? There are good things that He wants for you, not for harm. And what I want to tell you right now is that we need Him. We need Him to go to that place. It's not just some great idea, it's real. He he is living and active. We have this great uh, invitation right now to connect to him, to disconnect a little bit from the world, right? And to reconnect to him. And what I want to invite you into is to 2022 as a strong, healthy, and vibrant church. Walking, walking, life More connected to him and seeing some amazing things happen in our community amongst us. All right?